up today to battle with what's turned out to be the biggest wave in this coast since 1946. Hello, everybody. I'm Stu Nahan. I'd like you to meet this young man. His name, Jeff Spicoli. And Jeff, congratulations to you. Things look kind of rough out there today. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle with some humongous waves. But, you know, just like I told the guy on ABC, danger is my business. <laughs> you know, a lot of people expected maybe Mark Cutback Davis or Bob Jungle Death Gerard would take the honors this year. Oh, those guys are facts. <laughs> That's fantastic. Let me ask you a question. When you get out there, do you ever fear for your life? Well, still, I'll tell you, surfing's not a sport. It's a way of life, no hobby. It's a way of looking at that wave and saying, hey, bud, let's party. <laughs> Where'd you get this jacket? I got this in the network. Let me ask you a question. What's next for Jeff Spicoli? Oh, headed over to the Australian and the Hawaiian Internationals. And me and Mick are going to wing on over to London and jam with the Stones. <laughs> you guys are invited, too. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Morning Sickness, the podcast. I'm your host, Jake Gallo. This is presented by the Raging Bullshitter podcast, also hosted by myself. Uh, we're rolling solo this morning. No Artie Lopez. We uh, both work, and work takes precedent, unfortunately, over podcasting from the front cab of my work truck. So, <laughs> anyway, how are you guys doing this morning? I hope everything's good. That was a little clip for you to start your day from uh, Jeff Spicoli. That's from uh, Spicoli's Dream and Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a classic 80s movie. If you're younger and you haven't seen this movie, or you're older and you haven't seen it, first off, if you're older and you don't know what Fast Times at Ridgemont High is, what fucking planet are you from? I'm serious. I find it hard to believe that anyone my age has never heard of that movie or even seen that movie. It would blow my mind. But there's people out there. uh, But if you're younger, you know, you get a pass because it's not part of your upbringing. You don't get it. But it's the classic fucking movie that depicts high school life and growing up as a teenager in Southern California in that era perfectly. It's written by Cameron Crowe. He fucking nailed it. It's got Jeff Spicoli, which is played by Sean Penn. You got Mike Damone. I can't remember the actor's name for that. And then you got you got uh, Charles Jefferson, who's played by uh, Forrest Whitaker. You got Phoebe Cates is in there. Judd Reinhold, you know. You got Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, is that her name? Or is her brother's name Jason Lee, who's a skater and actor? You guys know him. Anyway, it's a great classic movie. It's a cult classic, dude. You have to see it. So if you haven't seen it, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I think it came out in 1983. 82 or 83 takes place in the valley right here in L.A. It's a, it's a perfect depiction. I don't know why I'm talking about it so much. It's like I fucking, I've seen that movie a hundred times. And if I, if I put it on and watch it from the first line to the end, I can tune in. I, like, I know every line that's coming next, you know? Like I've seen it that many times. Like it's fantastic. There's one thing that pisses me off though about that movie, and a lot of movies is, like, I remember shit weird, like really crystal clear. Uh, so when I say stuff um, or see stuff rather, like it'll stick in my head and I'll remember it. So when I see other people trying to recite Fast Times and they're fucking it up, like, oh, dude, like that surfer guy's funny. I want to choke him the fuck out. <laughs> it 
bothers me on a cellular level. I hate people that fuck up lyrics and movie lines and shit like that. It just bothers me. It's like, oh, you really love it? How, how much attention were you paying to it? Because I think it's fucking hysterical. I could recite it line for line. You know what I mean? I don't know. That shit drives me nuts. So anyway, that was from Fast Times. And um, baseball's cool. I've been watching more baseball. It's getting a little more exciting. You know what I mean? Spring training's been fun to watch. And when I say the games are getting better, I mean, like, you're starting to see some of the starters and stuff get some playing time, and people are starting to chill up. You know, they're, they're socially distanced, but there's people there, and you can hear them, and it's, it's fucking refreshing, you know? No more fake noise. People are there. They're spread out. They're being safe. It seems, seems like a good thing. Things like, seems like things are turning the corner, but yeah, it's been fun. You've been watching some bombs and the cool thing about spring training is like the microphones around the field. You can hear the players talking, the fans yelling, talking shit. It's fun. And the bat, like that you can hear the pop of the leather, like that much more. The bat, like when someone hits a bomb, it's just that crack that just echo. It's fantastic. I love that shit. Um, speaking of baseball season, so little league starting, we're getting notices. Um, we'll see what happens with the little guy. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, whew, that's soda water. Damn. Um, but yeah, like I was just thinking of little league. Do you guys remember like, what was your, like, <clears throat> you remember in little league when dudes would get like beaned by pitches and, <laughs> I'm such a dick. Maybe it was just me. But on the, like, even if it was a teammate of mine and they got plunked, and it wasn't serious. Like, they didn't get it in the back of the neck or the head or some face or something like that. Like, you know, like if they got it like in the thigh or right in the back, that was the best, dude. Cause, you know, that stings, but it ain't gonna hurt you, dude, in Little League. I mean, permanently or anything. It's not gonna fuck you up. It's just gonna. I was so so when other kids got beaned, dude. I didn't care if it was like a good friend of mine, dude. Especially if it was a good friend of mine, I would just start busting up, dude. I always get in trouble. Coach would be like, "Come on, guys," you know. I wouldn't. I'm not that classless. Like I would hold it in and you know smirk and shit, and then later I'd look at him at first base and like start cackling and winking, and he'd flip me off, smile, you know. But if it was the other team, <laughs> I remember some kids just getting plunked like in the back. <laughs> Dude, that shit's cold. Like, right? They're also, everyone's like, come on, Johnny, keep your eye on the ball. All right, throw strides here. All right, let's go. Everyone's all clapping, and then they pitch, and it's just like, it's like, oh, and everyone's that crowd's all, oh, and he, and he just drops. Like, you hear the aluminum bat hit the plate, and he just folds like a ton of bricks. Like, he like he got shot, and he's just like, oh. And the, the coach always has to run out and shit and kneel down like he's seriously injured. Like, fucking A, man. Walk it off, dude. Just wear it and go, oh, even if you're teary-eyed going to first, don't drop, dude. Nothing happened to your knees. You didn't get hit in the face. It's a fucking back, dude. Most of these kids, too, were like, you know, a little chubbier and shit. They'd play baseball. It's not like they were playing football where they condition you to, to the bone. Like... They were just hanging out, picking daisies in the outfield and shit, a little scared of the ball, and then they get fucking plunked, and it was like all their worst fears of baseball came true in that moment, and they are just like fucking dropped. Like, it didn't even hurt. They were just shocked that it actually happened, <laughs> finally. <laughs> oh my God, I've been hit by a pitch. That's what's going through their head, and they drop. 
I did, I had like two older brothers and a bunch of neighborhood kids. Like, dude, fist fights and shit were regular. Getting hit with baseballs and fucking oranges and apples, scissors and knives thrown at you. It was like, dude, I got plunked with the ball three times in the same game. I got up six times. We were annihilating Satakoy Little League. We won 22 to one. I'm not I'm not shitting you. My first three at bats. Every time I came up, bases were loaded, and I had three doubles. Three bases clearing doubles, dude. I had like nine fucking RBIs by like the fourth inning. <laughs> and I came up. And the next three at bats, I got plunked on the inside of the knee, which stung the worst. I got hit right on the forearm, had the seams in my forearm. And then I got hit in the back. And uh, I remember I, my dad was there. And I completely remember on the third time I got plunked, my, da- my dad from behind the backstop, I'll, I remember this clearest day, yells out, throw the fucking bat at him. <laughs> it, was like, it was gold because he, he was pissed. He knew what was going on. He's like, oh, bullshit. He gets up three times, drives in nine runs, and all the next three at-bats, he comes up with, with a runner on second, one out, and he gets drilled, you know? Gets drilled with nobody on base. Get last at back. Gets drilled again. He he's not stupid, and neither was I. The, I. the umpire grabbed me right after the third time because I was pissed. I actually threw the bat down and looked at the pitcher and said, "What the fuck, man?" You know. And the and the umpire grabbed me from front and patted me on the back. So that's all right. That's all right. Walk it off. Walk it off. You're all right, man. It's okay. Go to first. You know. And I, and then our coach got kind of pissed, but like, yeah, dude. I just wore him, dude. You just got beaned, and you're like, ow motherfucker and you just like say some shit and then run to first <laughs> but those kids that dropped those were my favorite dude it was like open classroom campouts we used to go on these like field trip campouts i went to this like uh open classroom where like we had different rooms for like math and science and reading and writing and then there was one that was like just crafts and shit art and then we had like two extra recesses during the day a prolonged recess or lunch period we did like PE, like we were, we just didn't, we didn't have desks. So we did carpets and couches. It was very hippie oriented, but open learning style. And it was cool. I mean, there's a lot of successful kids out of there and shit, but kind of went to hell in a handbasket. I understood after years, like years later, I was there in the beginning years and it was really cool. But the advantage was we had all these like group campouts and fucking bonfires at the beach, or like the whole class down there. You know, 30 to 40 different kids and parents, bunch of hippies. I remember all the campouts, all the kids would go to bed at like 8, and we'd be in the tent fucking around, and all our parents would be sitting around the campfire smoking doobies, fucking, there was always a couple acoustic guitars out playing shit like the birds, to everything, turn, turn, and fucking Jamaica Farewell by Harry Belafonte. <laughs> Those were all the old hippies with their acoustics smoking a little doobie kids are sleeping yeah it was fucking cool but it was hilarious but those were the camping trips that there would always be the one kid that would be like don't we're not supposed to throw rocks in the creek because they could ricochet back and there'd be the one fucking spaz kid that would be chucking rocks trying to skip them down while there was kids right in front of him and one of the like gentle like super sensitive kids that wore the fucking red puffer vests back in the day always had like fucking snot in his nose and sleep coming out of his eyes and like bedhead and shit like bad breath but he was like a math genius he wore nothing but sweats and like new balance and shit and just got clowned, but he was, that was the kid that always got fucking hit by a rock, by like the, the troublemaker spaz kid of the group, right? 
Like, it always worked out that way. There'd be the one kid that constantly got in trouble for cussing and throwing rocks and shit, breaking things, and those kind of the kids I hung around, but I was cool, you know? I remember this kid, Ben Blanton, was totally that kid. And, like, he'd, like, they'd be like, don't throw rocks. And then he'd be the dude that chucks a rock downstream and it skips up and hits the one, the fucking sensitive-ass kid I was just talking about in the ribs. And then that kid just folds like he got plunked by a baseball. Just whack! And he's like, ah! ah! He freaks out like he got shot. And everyone's like, oh, my God! And, like, the parents run over. I remember that. And, then like, the parents would all gather around and everyone would have to, like, hold hands and, like, fucking have, like, some sort of weird fucking seance or prayer some hippie prayer for his healing and to get better and 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 mistakes happen and then and then they'd take the kid that threw the rock after teaching everyone that it was an accident and just ream him the fuck are you doing (laughs) Uh, i like how we went down the rabbit hole there i started with like fat kids getting plunked in little league and how funny it was and shit to me um and it moved to like open classroom campouts and those like pussy kids getting nailed with rocks like of course it was the one tough spazzy troublemaking kid that threw the rock and of course it just happened to hit the one fucking most sensitive weird kid in the class (laughs) it's always how it worked I remember as a kid in the backyard and I'd throw dirt clods or I chucked a fucking plastic wiffle ball bat and it was always like like if I tried to throw a rock through a bedroom window I couldn't do it but if I wasn't trying to, there was almost a hundred percent guarantee I was gonna hit it. So it was, like, it was that kind of predicament, you know. He wasn't trying to throw it. He didn't care about that kid. It just so happened that he did, and he's the kid always getting in trouble. Whatever, you get it. But yeah, um, so in Little League, dude, I remember this this one game. Uh, this kid, some of you may know him. I, he probably doesn't tune in. He's he's a friend on social media. We grew up together, but in Little League. <laughs> and here's what I never will, will understand is this kid was a baller. Like, he was pretty good, like fundamentally sound. You guys remember those type of kids in Little League? You know, they were like they were like the Craig Councils of Little League and shit. Like the coaches loved them. They weren't flashy, but they always did the right call. They were like, they were smart, like about baseball in the field and they could lay down bunts and shit and get the job done, but they steal bases and shit. They get walks, but they, they couldn't hit that well, but they were good with the glove. Yeah, dude, they were like the Craig councils of little league and shit like that. Like fucking, you know? Um, and so, uh, this one kid, I'll never forget, his name was Charles. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, he was great. Like, he was the guy that the coach would make an example of for laying down bunts. Because bunting's hard when you're a kid. You're basically holding the bat out and you're catching the ball with the bat. And it's coming in. Like, it's already kind of scary when you're swinging, but you can get out of there. When you square around a bunt, you've, you're committed, you know? Like, you got to do it or pull back. And you don't have a lot of time to decide. So this kid was great. And I'll never understand why he did this or what happened or what went wrong. There was a runner at first. We're talking, we're like in third grade maybe, right? And the coach goes for a, no bullshit. This was like, yeah, maybe third, fourth grade. And uh, coach puts on like a steal, a bunt and steal. In our little league, you couldn't steal till after the pitch crossed the plate. Um was that the rules? I don't remember. I just remember we couldn't really, we could get lead offs, but if we're, it was, no, we could steal. It was baseball. Fuck that. That was my son's little league when I coached it. They couldn't do that the first few years. Um, so anyway, no. So it was, the kid was leading off. He's going to steal. And then the kid that was like the expert bunter, here comes the pitch. 
and he squares around a bunt, but instead of squaring around the proper way where you just twist your hips and then square up to the ball at the bat, he goes and rotates his whole body and pivots across home plate. So he's now right in front of the catcher holding the bat up <laughs> to receive the ball, but the bat's in front of his face. And lo and behold, he fucking missed the bunt and it's hit him right in the fucking mouth. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Re- I can remember this so vividly. I remember it's like spun, and he like squares around, and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" And it just skipped. It like skipped off the bat. It sounded like a little ping, and then ping pop. Like you know, it was like a quick ding bat, like a double bang, because it skipped off the bat, like foul tipped, and hit him right in the fucking mouth. And <laughs> he went down so hard, dude. Everybody was, oh my God, his mom comes running through the dugout. He's bleeding and just sobbing. Oh my God, dude. I was, at, I think I was playing like third, I was at third base. <laughs> dude, I could, I was like, oh wow. But I, having brothers and just always getting fucked up, like we laughed at that shit. So I had to turn my back to the field and the coaches and everyone was paying attention anyway to what was going on around home plate so they weren't watching me but I fucking dude I got the biggest shitty grin on my face <laughs> shaking my head like damn like I was trying to make it look like I was looking at the left fielder and I want to say it was Brian Harris no no it wasn't I fuck I, maybe it was Chris Carr I don't know you guys might know those guys one of those dudes was in left field and he had the shitty <laughs> grin too. We both wanted to laugh, dude, but we were like <laughs> fucking benched. And like we were just going like it was brutal, but after we knew that oh fuck what happened. Like we were worried at first, don't get me wrong, but like we both instantly cracked smiles and like, you know, we're like, oh dude, what a shit. <laughs> like he basically turned around and like deliberately tried to bunt the ball with his fucking teeth. <laughs> fuck man, I hope you got a good dentist. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I just never remember that. I remember my friend Matt, dude, during a baseball practice. <laughs> Fucking the catcher goes to throw it down to second, and he was playing shorter second, and there was a miscommunication. So there was both dudes at the bag, and I think the first dude just got out of the way, like, it's not your throw. And my friend thought he was going to take it, so he was just standing there, and the ball fucking, so he moved, you know, like a bull charging a red blanket, and the dude moved at the last second, like, oh, it's your ball. My friend was just standing there, and got nailed right in the fucking nuts, and he wasn't wearing a cup or anything, dude, and we were like in probably middle school at, the, at that point, or fifth grade, maybe, and the coach was freaking out, dude, he went down hard, man, the coach was worried, he went, He's like, hey, go in there and check and make sure your balls aren't up in your stomach. I remember him telling him that. He told me that. And I was like, fuck, dude. Baseball's brutal, dude. You need a cup. You know, those fucking helmets. I've seen so many kids get fucked up. Throws down to second or pickoff moves that hit a kid in the neck. <laughs> you ever seen that shit? When a pitcher can, Little League's the worst because they have no accuracy. And some of the kids can bring it. So they'll like step off, right? get back and then the kid turns and throws it and the first baseman is just some kid that can barely play first and he totally doesn't make the extra effort and just moves his glove and it fucking like bat like slaps the kid in the neck and then he's like Ooh, and goes down to one knee and shit time out dead ball fucking dead ball more like fucking dead neck <laughs> like he got a dead neck he can't breathe like fucking dude baseball is great in so many different respects i'm losing it right now and kids getting fucked up but um yeah there was never any like collisions though at home plate like maybe one or two but they were weak you know 
we couldn't bowl people over and get all Pete Rose and shit. But um, yeah, man, those were the good days, dude. I, I loved Little League. Little League was so much fun. Uh, anyway, baseball's fun. So anyway, Dodgers and I don't know who they're playing. They played today, maybe. Been watching them. It's fun to watch dudes hit bombs, watch some of the pitchers. Been watching Bueller, Bauer. I think Kershaw starts tonight, maybe? I don't know. Let me check that out. Interesting to see David Price when he goes. Um, anyway, moving along. <laughs> Let's, uh, you know what? I'm going to take a piss, get something to drink, and I'll come right back. And we'll start another quick segment and wrap this shit up. All right, thanks again for tuning in. We'll be right back. I should even say that because technically I could pause this shit and you guys would never know. So maybe we'll do that. All right, let me take a piss and we'll get back to it. So, um, lately there's been a bit of bad news, um, a bit, a lot of bad news, not a lot in terms of a lot of different things, just one thing in general that's been going on in my personal life with, uh, close somebody to me, and, um, it's got me thinking a lot about life and death and what it all is, you know? I mean, this is nothing new. I've dwelled on this shit since I was, I don't know, since I was young and discovered my mortality. You know, when you're younger and you just, you hit a certain age and you realize like, oh shit. You mean this, there's an end to this? Like this, this doesn't just carry on forever like this? Like it's, like all this shit I love and all this fun stuff, like it's gonna end? Like, people I love are going to disappear one day, and and, uh, all of us? Like, well, fuck. You know? You know, deal me out. Fuck this. Like, (laughs) I don't want to play this game. Like, I think at a certain age, you hit that. And I maybe six or eight years old for me is when I really realized, like, holy fuck, the, the great tragedy of life became a reality. And I can't really put a finger on it. Like what it was exactly that sunk in and made me (laughs) realize that or an awakening or a moment. It just, I can't, I think it might have been getting diabetes um, because I'd never been sick. I was healthy, played three sports and at like eight, you know, um, I, I played, you know, or no, it's not trying to play that, but no, I was, yeah, I was active. I played sports all day with my brother, running, track, this fucking baseball, basketball, football, like you know, we didn't eat out and eat shit food. We just ate from home a lot. We didn't have a lot of money at the time. So like, um, but I got, you know, type one diabetes when I was eight and I'd never been ill really, you know, that I could remember. And I had to go to the hospital and it was weird. And I had to stay there for a couple of weeks and they were explaining that I suddenly had to start taking shots, getting shots every day. And, pricking my finger and like what what does this all mean what is it what's going on and you don't really realize it till you're maybe in your teens you start thinking like fuck what what is really going on with my body like I've known forever but I mean what what are the consequences and that's when you start really deep dwelling on shit and life and you're going like I, I I may not you know may not make it that long like and that shit starts to sink in and you start looking at all the other people that have had diabetes you know, um, 
and shit like that. And you're going like family members and friends and um, all that shit. And so you start, you start like really, really sinking in deep with your teeth. You want to, you, you, you consider like, what, what is religion all about? What is that? And you start to weigh out the whole basis of that and why it exists. And you start to understand why it was created. Like, you know, there's a comfort that comes with it. I, I understand, you know, um, but it didn't seem real enough to me. Like it still wasn't going to help the fact like religion that it wasn't going to set me at peace. Like it, it just, it would maybe later on in life when I, it, but it just, the time it was like, just like, no, it doesn't matter. It's still not going to take away the fact that I have this disease that's going to eventually shorten my life. And I really have to stay on top of it. Like you can't fuck around because it adds up over years. You know, it pays, it's like, it's like taking body shots during a boxing match for eight rounds by the ninth, 10th round. You know, everyone's expecting you to go to 12 rounds like everyone else. But if you take body shots for eight, nine rounds by the 10th round, you're fucking done. You can't raise your arms. You're getting blasted in the head and you're going to, you're done. You're going to knocked out. Same concept for those of you that don't quite get it. Um, it's just, it wears you out and it shortens things because it just puts so much strain on your entire internal organ system because it's working overtime to make up for the lack of, you know, one organ. It's picking up the slack. So when all that became a reality, that's when I think I really realized like, wow, this is, this is real shit. And death became real eminent and it became a fear of mine. And I've gone through it all. I've been scared of just dying. Like, oh my God, I'm not going to exist anymore. And like, you know, like I have a shelf life. Holy fuck. You know? And it's like, well, we all do. It's like, but yeah, the idea that we're just going to, and people that you love are not going to exist some days. And sometimes it happens tragically and quickly and unexpectedly. And that's a, that breaks your heart and it's tough and it ruins people sometimes. And I, this all became reality to me and I just freaked out and I, I, I'm sure everyone goes through this, but it was, it wasn't normal. Like it was with me every time, every time I get a low blood sugar attack in the middle of the night or out in public somewhere or something like you know, it would just another little chip into your brain reminding you like, bink, yep, this is a reality. Boom. You like, if you didn't eat right now, you would have possibly died. Like you can almost die any day. Like, you know, but that's true with anything. But point is, it just became this deep obsession. And then I started, you know, worrying about, about just death. Like anyone does. I don't want to die. You know, I like, I like this, you know, and then, and then you go back and forth with it and you stop thinking about it, but it starts to freak you out. It starts ruining things. Like you're out in public, you start having anxiety about it. You don't want to be out. You start looking at things differently. Like everything's morbid, almost like everything beautiful becomes a, yeah, but you know, everything, oh, look how beautiful it is today, it feels so good, the sun on my back, and the breeze through the trees, and all this nice stuff, and then you, and then you instantly turn that into, yeah, I'm not going to be here to enjoy this one day, and and neither is a lot of my friends and family, and you ruin it, and you get sad, and you get like, and and then you realize, like, it's not you just getting depressed, this is a reality, but that's part of life, and it's something we have to accept, And then you go to another point where you're going, yeah, but if death didn't exist, life wouldn't be as sweet. You know, those big moments, those sweet moments wouldn't be as sweet because you would be living forever, you know, if you never died. Um, So it's just give and take, yin and yang, you know, but it's a hard thing to deal with when you're faced with it. So I've been going through that. A friend of mine is facing this right now and it just... 
it's reiterated to me. And now that I'm older, I've had a lot more different issues with death. Like uh, I've talked about it in one of the first couple podcasts I did, Raging Bullshitter. It's called Zan- uh, Thanatophobia, and it's a fear of dying and, and abandonment and leaving behind. Like I fear all the time, like leaving my children and stuff here if something happens to me or they have to, you know, I'm not going to be here to kind of look out for them. You know what I mean? And that, and this world is a rough, scary place and I want to be here. And so it's, it eats at me. It keeps me up at night. It freaks me out. It keeps my appetite suppressed. I, I think about it. I, you know, it's a very real thing, uh, especially with this type one diabetes for so long. I've had it 36 years. So, you know, it's a constant, it's a full-time job and you can't get fired. <laughs> you get fired, you die. So, and other things, I don't want complications. I don't want disabilities later in life, like blindness and amputations and fucking kidney failure and heart disease. And a lot of that's a reality and it's, you got to do your best to stay healthy. And it's, it's, it's just on your mind constantly. It may be more than say the, 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 the average healthy person that doesn't have it. You know, it just, it's a constant reminder that you got to stay on top of shit and it just, it stresses you out. You know, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, um, I'm explaining all that because I want to think what I want to put it out there and maybe you guys can think about it. I mean, we can't talk because there's no two way on this thing, but, um, what do you guys think death really is? Like what happens after you die? Because everyone's got their own depiction, you know, and a lot of people think it's, you know, and this discussion is not about who's right and who's wrong. This is more of a, um, like, what do you actually think? Like, I want to make you think like, what, what is your real, like, depiction of death like what happens to you after do you what do you believe like do you like because I'm leaning a lot these days towards that like our souls are so powerful you know the your feelings and shit are so like I I know they're chemicals and stuff and we know that chemicals work because we take drugs and other things and it makes us feel certain ways it makes us emotional and there's not a real difference that between those, say, synthetic chemicals that we ingest and then the natural chemicals in our body, because a lot of them activate those in our body and give us a certain feeling or response that's very powerful. So there is a scientific chemical side to that. But I think it's just so powerful. Like, that's another thing. I'm always, is it just science or is that really our soul? Is there a soul? Meaning I'm leaning towards like, I feel like this, this body we're in is just a shell. And I know this is uh, a lot of people say this and they feel this way, but I'm, that's why, because I've been listening to them and going, I think there's something to that, you know, that this body we're in is a shell or a rental car and we're just using it and having fun and experiencing this shit. And when it's done, it's done. And that shell will be gone, but the soul will go on. It won't be in that shell physically anymore. You won't be able to hear the voice that comes out of my voice box in this shell. You won't be able to see my tears or hear my laughter because that's all coming out. But that's my soul creating that. The soul will go on. Where And where it goes, that's the question. Does it go to the great beyond? Whatever that may be. That movie Soul that just came out by Pixar, it's a great fucking movie. It's animated, but check it out. It's a mind fuck and it's a trip. It makes you think and it's really good. Anyway, there's a lot of afterlife shit in that and about your soul and stuff. So that was pretty away. I was like, wow, that's a pretty cool depiction in itself too. So is there a great beyond where you just go and, and you become part of the universe? Do you reincarnate? You know, do you come back as something else? There's something to that or... 
Or is there a heaven? Is it like they say in the Bible, perhaps, where you're going to go into this kingdom in the sky where everything is bliss and there's no hurt and you feel warm and love all the time and there's no sadness and it's and you reunite with the favorite things that you were here with on earth inside these shells. Is that is that realistic? And that may be or or this is what I think it is, too. I relate death, I think, a lot to dreams and sleep um, because I think that's a state of death, sort of. Our body's still functioning, like we're alive, but we're unconscious. We're in another world. Do you, you know what I mean? Like deep sleep, REM sleep is powerful shit. That's why you have those gnarly dreams and your body is healing and resting and and it's like your your eyeballs kind of roll back into your head and just look at your brain. It's like watching a movie and it's all these weird chemicals and different imbalances, you know, all kind of manifesting this show for you to watch while you sleep. And a lot of times it never makes sense. It's fucking terrifying. Um, you know, they, they leave you weird feelings and feeling tired in the morning. Or there's times where they're fantastic and they're fantasies and everything's playing out right. And you wake up and you're crushed because it was so perfect and it seems so real and it was just a dream. And other times you have these fucking nightmares where you're dying, you're falling, falling off an airplane, fucking in a dark night storm, falling 5,000 feet from the sky into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And it's super real. And then you wake up fucking your heart pounding through your shirt and you're sweating like holy fuck. But you're super stoked because you're like fucking thank God that wasn't happening. Oh my God, you know, it's one of those fucking things. So dreams and sleep itself, I think like, here's my point to that is like, do you think that heaven and like, you know, how some people have come close to death or they've died and they've resuscitated them and they say like, yeah, I experienced something and they talk about it and there's books about it and people tell their story. And it's interesting to hear because they have thoughts and then people say, Oh, see, there's a God. These people died and that's what they saw. And they saw this and they witnessed that. And then they came back and they said, oh, it's not your time. And they tell them all these things, right? And it's like, the, usually those people were already deeply religious, sometimes not, but they've thought about it. Like I've thought about that, but I don't practice it and I don't really follow it. And I'm not, I'll make fun of it for some of the kooky, zane, dumb fuck stories and some of the things, but I don't the message and the afterlife shit that, you know, I get it. It makes, it could make sense, but I think people think about that and then they manifest it. It's like dreams. Like that's what I'm saying. It's like when you go to bed at night, whatever, usually what you're thinking about or something that's on your mind throughout the day, or you're thinking about or watching on TV before you fall asleep. If then you fall asleep and you have these bizarre dreams uh, my girlfriend has these dreams. She has bizarre dreams every night and then she'll wake up. She tells me about them and it's like I always try and psychoanalyze it. Where did that come from? Because she'll be like, fuck, I had this wild dream. It was blah, 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 blah. And she'll tell me and I'll be like, what were you what were you tripping out on yesterday? And she'll tell me and it usually somehow correlates in some fashion or another. Like, you know, uh, if she's having a dream where she's like panicking or something bad's happening and she can't save something and it's going awry, it's usually there was something bad or that she had no control over that day that she was thinking about and stressed about and you know and then it translates into this funky dream or maybe it's a good thing where she's been fantasizing about traveling or waiting to do something and she has this dream where she's it's funny and weird but she's in some tropic location it's like 
It's all these different weird things throughout the day kind of come together and then they spit out like this weird, bizarre Quentin Tarantino type fucking movie and you're a part of it and then you wake up and oh wow and that's, you know what I mean? And it's, I think personally, I think death is somewhat like that. If you spend your whole life believing in Jesus and the Bible and God and the whole of the Christianity and Catholic, you know, Catholicism or maybe you're Jewish or you know, Judaism, whatever it is you believe in, Muslim like the afterlife there is what you've imagined your entire life. You've, you, you've subscribed to that religion and that, that whole theory. If that's what's going to happen, so you read up on it, you study, you go to church, you get all these ideas, and it's in your brain. You have a, an idea of what it's going to be like. So when you die and you're in that moment where everything floods from your brain when you're about to go out and all these memories and shit, a lot of that is all tucked in there and it spills out just like a dream. And that's what people are feeling and witnessing is this, all this shit they've seen and heard through their life at the church. And, you know, if it's, that's the case, um, you know, or whatever it may be, or maybe you had this thought of traveling through the universe and opening doors into stars and different things. And, you know, and that's, was real big to you. That's maybe what will flood your brain as you're, as you're dying and passing away. Um, and then maybe you get resuscitated and you have that pinch memory of that and you'd say this is what I saw and everyone goes oh wow that's fucking crazy so that's what it is it's like no that's what it is to that person that was their depiction of it you know whether it was religious or not if it was religious you know and and maybe it was religious and it was subconscious you know maybe someone never went to church but they always struggled with it in their head is there really a god or nah that's too corny you know they fought with it back and forth that will be in there too and that will flood in the brain and and so maybe they'll see that when they go into the afterlife and they've never been religious and they'll be a holy shit there is a god you know or something like that because that came out like it manifests in your brain and then spills just like when you pass out finally into that rem sleep all that shit releases and creates this vision that you've already had in your brain the whole time you've been conscious. And now you're unconscious and it's flooding and that's what you're seeing. And when you awake, you realize that. And much like death, I think it's the same thing. Everything you've manifested and tucked in your brain in that memory bank your entire life releases at the end when you're finally going. And that's what you're experiencing. It's like a rush of everything. And all this weird shit and good feelings bad. You probably just see it all, you know? I don't know. I don't know. So, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about that because it's a... Uh, it's a big thing in everyone's life, but it's been a more polarized issue lately. And I don't know. I struggle with it a lot. And uh, this has been kind of a awakening in many ways. And it's it's been tough, but it's... It's, um, it's I think, you know death and the afterlife maybe that's my take on it and I don't know I'm just curious and maybe what that's what you guys might think so all right I'm gonna go I hope you guys enjoyed this one was pretty fun um stay tuned we're gonna take a break over the weekend and we'll be back Monday with morning sickness thanks for tuning in have a good safe weekend everyone be good to each other and we'll uh, catch you on the flip side all right see you then